Good morning to each of you this morning. Greetings in the name of Jesus. Trust each had a good week serving the Lord again. And we look forward to this new week. The Lord tarries to give us strength to serve him again. Been blessed already in the service this morning. And I'd like to um, continue to allow the Lord to bless us from his word. It was a dark, moonless night. April of 1912. Very familiar story. One that has always fascinated me from the time I first read of this story. The um, giant ship, the Titanic, was sailing full steam toward New York. It was so dark because of a moonless night that the watch said later the only way he actually realized something was ahead of them looming in front of them was because he lost sight of some stars on the horizon. Realizing that the shadow that was created or blocked the, the stars ahead of them was a looming iceberg. He never actually saw the iceberg. He only realized that the stars suddenly faded in front of him on the watch, on the watchtower. He rang the bell quickly three times and shouted into the voice tube, Iceberg, straight ahead. It sank. Remember that story? Over 1,500 people lost their life that night. That night. It was so tragic and yet so preventable. It was so tragic and yet so preventable. And we know that God has in his sovereignty superintends all things. but, But really, the Titanic was not the only ship that was caught in ice that night. But it was the only ship that refused to change course or slow down. If only someone, someone had been willing to pay attention and take the concerns, the warnings seriously and change course. There are so many parallels in this story, the story of this tragedy When you think about many people today, and including us, who can fail to hear the warnings of danger ahead, and who make shipwreck of their faith. You may turn with me to 1 Timothy 1. And verse 19. Back up to verse 17. Paul the elder writing to the younger Timothy. Now unto the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience, which some having put away concerning faith, have made shipwreck, of whom is Hymenius and Alexander, whom I have delivered unto Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. Verse 19 
talks of this very type of tragic situation, much more tragic than the sinking of a large ocean liner with a cost of over 1,500 lives. But here is a spirit, it's talking about a spiritual shipwreck of whose some, having put away concerning the faith, have made shipwreck. And so this morning we want to think a little bit about this idea. The title of the message is Making Shipwreck of Faith. And I feel a little like, and I know you've heard me say this before, but the um, Apostle Jude, when he would have liked to write unto them of the uh, common salvation, was pressed in relation to the need of the importance of holding and not losing our faith. And so this morning, I'd like to think a little bit about this the warning of making shipwreck of faith. Jesus spoke of this as well in many places. One of those would be Luke 9, verse 62, where Jesus here said that no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of heaven. I remember an older minister, he was our bishop, and when I was a boy for some years, I had high respect for him as a man of God. I remember him in a message one time saying this thought. It stuck with me all these years. He said, remember that you can only go one direction at a time. You can only go one direction at a time. Very simple, but very profound. Because how many times in our lives do we think that we can handle two directions at a time? We can somehow be a Christian, we can somehow serve the Lord, but still have this service and allegiance and a following after the world and things of the world. Remember, we can only go one direction at a time. A ship can only go one direction at a time. Apostasy is probably one of the most common reasons that people make shipwreck of their faith. We will crisscross that a few times in this message, probably. And understanding the snares of apostasy are important. That's what Paul is talking about here, where those who fail to hold faith and fail to hold a good conscience, and because of this, their faith was put away. And they made shipwreck of that faith. Understanding the snares of apostasy are important, either as a person or as a group, as, you know, in a family. To understand the danger of of being on a course that results in shipwreck. What happens when an individual, a person, or even a church changes dramatically from what they once professed to believe to something totally different? And you think about, you know, the, uh, some of the changes, you know, that can happen, especially we think of nominal Christianity around us, but I want to bring it closer home to us. You know, to profess to believe something and then move away. Well, the question is, we're not talking about little, just little external changes. We're talking about principle. We're talking about, we're talking about the word of God and what God has said. And what God has said, this is the sin that I hate. But now society says, oh no, this can be accepted. And then after a while, church is accepted. But the word of God has not changed. The principle is still there in the word of God. So it's making shipwreck of faith. These are important questions for us to look at when we think about what kind of a course is it that results in shipwreck. The word apostasy means an abandonment of what one professed to be true a desertion or departure from faith. Or it's like backsliding. 
This morning we're going to think of it more in the context of this text in 1 Timothy as shipwreck. Now I'd like to look at some scriptural warnings. We've noticed here this in where Paul was charging Timothy to be careful that he would continue to war a good warfare, that he would hold his faith and a good conscience so to prevent him from making shipwreck like those two others he referred to in that scripture. Turn now with me to 1 Timothy 4 and verses 1 and 2. Just back a page. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly, in other words, clearly, specifically, to the point. The Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with an hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. So we notice here this warning that in the last days there's going to be a lot of Christians, a lot of people that make shipwreck of their faith. They're going to depart from the faith. They're going to drop it. They're going to move away from it. And those who once had faith now are listening to the voices of seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. That almost gives you the shivers to think about people that move from a solid faith and knowledge of God and the workings of God, the principles of the word of God, and actually listening to devils? Deuteronomy 4 and verse 9. It's like to look, look at this scripture. Deuteronomy 4 and verse 9. Only take heed to thyself. Let's back up to verse 8. Uh, verse 7. For what nation is there so great who hath God so nigh unto them as the Lord our God is in all things, and we call upon him for? And what nation is there so great that has statutes and judgments so righteous as all this law which I set before you this day? Only take heed to thyself and keep thy soul diligently, lest thou forget the things which thine eyes have, have seen, and lest they depart from thy heart all the days of thy life, but teach them thy sons and thy sons' sons. Especially the day that thou stoodest before the Lord thy God in Horeb, when the Lord said unto me, Gather me the people together, and I will make them hear my words, that they may learn to fear me all the days that they shall live upon the earth, and that they may teach their children, and so on. And so there we have this warning to take heed unto thyself, to be sure not to lose the faith, as it were. Now, Proverbs 14 and verse 14. We have another scripture I'd like to just mention here. Proverbs 14 and verse 14. The backslider in heart shall be filled with his own ways, and a good man shall be satisfied from himself. A backslider in heart shall be filled with all his ways. Now, Jeremiah 2, another interesting scripture of God speaking through the prophet to Israel. Jeremiah 2 and verse 21. I'll read verse 20 as well. For the old time... I have broken thy yoke. He's talking to Israel now. I have broken thy yoke and burst thy bands. And thou saidest, in other words, God freed them. God blessed them. God was working for them. And thou saidest, I will not transgress. When upon every high hill and under every green tree thou wanderest playing the harlot. 
So God freed them, God blessed them, God directed them, and they said, yes, you know, we're not going to transgress anymore. And yet they, they did. They, they offered these sacrifices on every high hill and under every green tree. And God saying, thou wanderest and, as, and played the harlot. Now verse 21, for I, yet I planted thee a noble vine, holy a right seed. How then art thou turned into the degenerate plant of a strange vine unto me? The question of God to Israel, I planted you as a good seed. I freed you. I blessed you. I protected you. I planted this good seed. How is it that you became this degenerate plant? 1 Corinthians 10, 12. We are to, let's just turn to that one. First uh, Corinthians 10, verse 12. Again, we're going to read more verses here. He's speaking in the first part of this chapter about various things that happened to Israel and how they rebelled against God. We have in verse 6, Now these things were our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Then you drop down to um, verse 11. Now all these things happen unto them for ensamples, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. So all the way to the end of time, these are going to stand as examples, illustrations of what happens when a people turn away from God. And then he says in verse 12, Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth, Take heed lest he fall. We stand, we must stand in the power and the grace of Christ in all humility and trust in the Lord to bless us. Hebrews 10.38 If any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. Now, what is the danger today of shipwreck? What happens in a person's life who end up in shipwreck of their faith. First of all, just like apostasy, shipwreck is first of all and always a heart issue. It's a control issue, control from the heart. You know, whether the outward changes are, are sudden or slow, away from biblical truth, it is the heart that changes first. By the time we notice it in actions, words, or appearance, it's already happened in the heart. It's already happened in the heart. Jesus there talks about, he says, By their fruits ye shall know them. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Can you get fresh water from a contaminated spring? No, of course not. Jesus said, by their fruits you shall know them. Sometimes you say, well, we can't see into people's hearts, and that is true. But Jesus there is saying that just watch what they do. Watch what they say. You'll know what's in the heart. We'll probably come back to that a little bit later. But losing course can also cause shipwreck. There are times when ships are off course. Remember the... Um, the ferry there off of the coast of B.C. some years ago. It was, when all, it was off course. Somebody was not paying attention. And the course was not corrected at the, at the right, the proper time. And they ran headlong straight into the rocks off that island there off the coast of B.C. And it sank within minutes. Off course. This morning we could ask ourselves, and it's a question that we have to reckon with and be honest before God is our ship, is your ship off course? Spiritually, are we on course for the arrival at the port that we intend to arrive at? Now, we go back to the story of the Titanic, and we're going to be talking about that some along the way here. They were not off course, they were on course. They refused to change course when they probably should have. 
So there's various reasons where shipwrecks happen. There's times that we are, we are made aware of something in our lives that is not the way it should be, and we need to change course. We talked about that in the Sunday School lesson about repentance. And repentance is all about changing course. Because of being off course with God, we need to adjust that course and make sure that we are, are where we ought to be. You with me probably have read of stories of, of aircraft. Um, a few years ago, there was one I remember. I don't remember all the details right off now, but when it came to mind now, but that the wrong coordinates were punched in and they ended up at a totally wrong airport. And they went into land and they realized that something wasn't making sense here. And they realized that they were landing at the wrong airport because somebody had punched in the wrong coordinates. And sometimes an aircraft has just completely overflowing their destination. They pass right over it without realizing, again, that something was wrong and somebody had entered something wrong in the autopilot. Off course causes shipwreck. And that's where there's, we must, and we're going to be emphasizing this again, but there's this importance of understanding our pilot, the Lord Jesus Christ, and the scriptures, and what is needed for us to arrive safe at yonder shore. None of us sitting here this morning want to, in any way, end up wrong. And sometimes, you know, the question could be asked, when you arrive at the course that you're on today, when you arrive at that, at that destination, where will you be where you want to be? You know, it's a sobering question, because... The Bible says here that some lose faith and they make shipwreck. And that's sad. They didn't expect to. They didn't plan to necessarily directly. But somewhere along the line, they lost the course. They lost the direction. Not all change is automatically apostasy that causes shipwreck. Change can be dangerous. Change can take people where they don't expect. But not all change is automatically going to cause shipwreck. In fact, to resist all change is to set the stage for wholesale apostasy many times. Some change is inevitable and necessary. Again, it must be that which is corrected, you know, by our pilot, the Lord Jesus, and his will and purposes. Another part of this would be simply complying with external regulation or disciplines, you know, without personal conviction will lead to apostasy. Choosing to ignore the true condition of the heart and simply being satisfied with some kind of outward conformity while allowing the heart to be off course will cause shipwreck. And so we need to be careful with that and analyze that in our lives by the power of the Holy Spirit. Ignoring the importance also, ignoring the importance of, of external regulation and discipline by this idea of believing that it's just what's in the heart that matters. And we talked about that because Jesus, you know, clearly uh, repudiated that idea by saying that it's by their fruits. So that will also lead to shipwreck and to apostasy very quickly. Someone has said this, we only know what we believe by what we practice. We only know what we believe by what we practice. And you say, well, but isn't it a heart condition? We talked about that. Yes, it is, but it will always be expressed. And one thing to remember when somebody tries to say, well, it's just in the heart. You know, the outward doesn't matter. It's just what's going on in the heart. The Bible says that we're going to be on judgment day. We're going to be judged by our deeds, by our works. We're not going to be judged. The Bible doesn't say we're going to be judged by our testimony or our heart in that, in that sense. But on judgment day, we're going to be judged by our works because it's an expression of what is in the heart. Also, there is a mentality that can be 
in our hearts sometimes or minds, and that is of seeking the least requirement and still be right. Sometimes people refer to it as someone like buying fire insurance. You just, you know, in relation to Christianity, you want to do just enough to escape the fires of hell, but not enough, you know, not more than I absolutely have to. That can seep into our thinking if we're not careful. And, and the question also could be raised, how much can I stop doing that I'm doing today and still be, still be saved or still be right? Are we looking at it, the Christian life from the standpoint of doing the least amount to get by? Or are we serving Christ in the wholeheartedness of our love for him and our service to him? You know, the saints that are there in, in, on Judgment Day, that when he said, well, you've, you know, you've done all these things, they said, well, when do we do it? When, when do we do that? You see, it was a service of love to their master. And they weren't keeping track of, well, I have to do this, and I have to go there, and I have to do this. No, it's, it's out of service of love. And that's how we want to serve today. And so we must avoid the mentality of seeing how close we can get to the world and still make it to heaven. And that can come close in many, in many practical ways. You know, just ask Lot if it worked for him. You know, he, he left his, his family, much of his family there in, in Sodom. How did, how did it work? Ask Demas how well it worked for him. Paul said, Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. A man of God who once served in the army of God, in the service of God, alongside the Apostle Paul and many others, made shipwreck. Shipwreck. He loved this present world. He left, he left the work of God to go live in Thessalonica. Shipwreck seems sudden and, and tragic, but it's really only the revelation of what was happening beforehand. Spiritually, it's that way. We talked about that. There's times that people have just suddenly changed, and it's just like, what has happened? That which they once believed was wrong, and you know they should not do this, and now they condone it. What has happened? It's only a revelation of what was happening beforehand. When the Titanic sank, it seemed sudden within a few hours, but really it was a culmination of a lot of things that had gone wrong beforehand. Not only in the hours beforehand, but long even before that. You know, sometimes ships have holes smashed through the halls below the waterline and sink rapidly with tragic consequences like the Titanic. I forget his name, but there was a, one of the engineers, power engineers, was in the boiler room of the Titanic when it struck that iceberg. Of course, he was in the lower part of the ship. He was tending one of the boilers because they were steaming full, st full speed to, toward New York. Captain Smith was determined he was going to break the record. And so it was the maiden voyage of the Titanic, and he also wanted it to be the fastest trip that was ever made in a transatlantic crossing. And it was his final voyage. He was going to retire after this. There was a lot of pride and arrogance probably involved in that. The um, owner of the ship, the Cunard Line, was also on board as well, and it was going to make a tremendous impression. And they had talked about what the newspapers were going to say in the following days, when the Titanic was safe in port in New York and made the maiden voyage, the most luxurious ship ever to float, as well as the fastest. The, boiler, the man in the boiler room was down there, and he heard, of course, felt the, the thrust of the iceberg against the side of the ship. The sea, it, it buckled in, the hull buckled right close to where he was standing. There was a two-inch gash just above the floor deck where he was standing and the green water of the Atlantic was rushing in. The, the, uh, air, uh, the uh, airtight compartment doors were starting to close 
He barely was able to jump through one of them before it slammed shut and made his escape. Shipwrecks can be sudden. Things can happen really fast and tragic. But then there are sometimes ships that also sink from small holes. Blow the water line, and they're not easily seen. And for the most part, the bilge pumps take care of that small amount of water coming in until maybe someone fails to realize the pumps aren't working. And sometimes it can be deceptive. It can be deceptive spiritually. It can be deceptive even on a ship where suddenly someone may realize that are we as high out of the water as we were yesterday? Are we lower today than yesterday? The story is told of someone who said that. And someone standing nearby replied, No, no, the ship's not lower in the water today. The water is higher this year than last year. See, that's how deceptive it can be. That probably is just a story. But spiritually, at times that has happened, as it were, Deceptive. And the ship is going down and people don't even realize it. It is said that on the Titanic, after they hit that iceberg, the ship was even starting to to list a bit. They were taking on water. They said that for the most part, the activity on the ship continued as it was before. They talk about the waiters getting ready and setting the tables for breakfast the next morning. When in less than three hours, they were going to be 13,000 feet below the surface of the, of the ocean. They were still setting the tables, getting ready for breakfast. Unaware. And it's tragic. But it's even more tragic spiritually whether in our personal lives or in family life or in church life. Things just seem to go on as normal. Reminds us of the story of Samson, where after his hair was cut, he breached that covenant with God. He woke up and he said, I'm going to go out and shake myself, as at other times. The Bible says he wist not that the spirit had departed from him. It wasn't the same. Shipwreck. Just think with me a little bit in relation to our lives. Is our ship on course, on the course of danger to hit an iceberg, as it were, or is it just some small holes that we are allowing the water? to come in, to cause our ship to settle deeper and deeper into the water. Just think back with me over the last months or years of our life. And can we honestly say that we have grown spiritually? We are holding a good conscience. Our conscience is working. It is giving us the alerts that God intends to give us through that conscience and the Holy Spirit? Are we holding faith, or is our ship taking on water? Maybe a small amount, but is it there? You think about sometimes, it's looking back through old photos, you know, and it brings memories back to us of situations and opportunities and relationships, and it jogs our memory. Where are we? Are we still on course? What changes have I allowed myself? And do those changes in my life, the changes of the courses that I have chosen or allowed, 
Do they reflect a deeper relationship with Christ? Does it represent growth with him? Does it, does it represent at times even a course correction to be on the proper course that God wants me to be? Or maybe I should have changed course but refused? All those things are questions that we should ask ourselves. Has my course taken me farther away from the world and closer to Christ? Or is it taking me further away from Christ and closer to the world? Remember, you can only go one direction at a time. One direction at a time. It's either one way or the other. Are the changes in church life taking us closer to Christ and his will for us? Or why have some things changed? Again, what is... That course is the ship, our ship, taking on water or not. I'd like to think a little bit now in closing about some safeguarding to prevent shipwreck in our lives. Remember, apostasy is not inevitable. Shipwreck is not inevitable in our lives or in the life of the church. If we have our course set by our pilot, the Lord Jesus our captain. It is not a guaranteed outcome over a certain period of time. We say, well, it just seems that people go on for a time and then whether it's churches or families or people, they just seem to lose out. That, that would be a, a negative or a pessimistic or a fatalistic a viewpoint. But with the power of God, we know that we can make safe harbor. We can avoid the, uh, the dangers, the icebergs, as it were. Now, you think about this in relation to safeguarding ourselves and, and how committed are we to serving Jesus Christ in every area of life? You know, those who do that do not backslide. Those who do that do not face shipwreck. When we have that honest, open relationship and commitment to Jesus Christ. And what this means is that if there's anything, any time in my life that I'm made aware of, whether through the Holy Spirit in my thoughts, whether from reading the scriptures or other input into my life, maybe it's a brother or a sister, someone challenging me or encouraging me. You know, when that happens, what do we do with that? And that will determine whether we stay on course or not. Because an open honesty with Christ, an open honesty with God means I am willing to change course at any time. I'm made aware that there's something that is not as it ought to be. Or we may be on course, but the warning comes, the bell rings, there's an iceberg straight ahead. What are you going to do about it? That shows how committed we are in our sincerity and honesty with serving Christ. There's too many times we set up these mental blocks, these barricades, and we say, well, you know, we'll go so far, but you know, I'm not going to go that extreme or I'm not going to, I don't need to go there, I don't need to do that, you know, and, and we can make all sorts of, of reasonings about why we should not change course. And that's exactly what Captain Smith did. One of the warnings that he was given, a paper copy that came from the bridge, which was given to them by the wireless radio operator, from other ships, he looked at it, gave it to the owner, Ismay, who stuffed it, looked at it, stuffed it into his pocket, and never was posted for the crew until several hours later. I would call that indifference. What would you call it? Now, the warning was, there's a field of ice ahead on your course. On the course he was sailing, about a half an hour ahead. It's floating south toward where you're sailing. In, other, in my own words, it was a warning. He put it in his pocket. Maybe forgot about it. Apparently, Captain Smith was having a late dinner with 
brought the family on board. And that's why he just gave it to someone else. What do we do spiritually with the warnings that we receive? Or is it in, you know, we shove it aside, we just ignore it, we just like, you know, doesn't matter? The focus must be our personal commitment to Christ. There, there can be no higher allegiance to anything else. There must also be an open honesty with Bible truth, both personally and collectively. Again, what do you do when the warning comes? Danger ahead. Do we heed the danger signals from other ships? Or do we just somehow think that we can escape? This is what happened in the story of the Titanic. You remember this, probably. You know, there was seven warnings. Seven messages came from surrounding ships in the area. It was dangerous. There was an ice field floating there in the Atlantic. There was icebergs. And all seven, seven messages said, you're, the course that you're on, there's ice. Those ships were trying to warn them to prevent the tragedy. You with me know sometimes how difficult it is to accept the advice of others. And why is that? When someone says, you know, the course that you're on isn't going to work out so well, do you realize that you could have a collision? Spiritually, this isn't going to work. What do we do? It can be true of congregations. And we'll come to that a little bit later. We each must understand the imperative of personal conviction. I must take personal responsibility for my choices in steering my life. We make choices, all of us do. And those choices all become part of a course that we're on. And again, the question is, is it the right course? Is it a safe course? Is it going to work out? Is it going to work out for my family? Is it going to work out for my children? Are they going to have the spiritual heritage and be able to, to take on you know, the spiritual responsibilities that God gives to them in their, in their call to, to, uh, to faith? These are responsibilities that, that we take. And we, must, we must accept that responsibility. Captain Smith went on trial because he survived that sinking. He didn't go down with his ship like most loyal captains do. He got off into a lifeboat. He went on trial. Responsibility. You and I must face the responsibility of our choices. External regulation and disciplines that we bring and put upon ourselves must be kept relevant to the present need. This functions a lot like a lookout on a ship. When we say, you know, that we have a lookout there looking out for danger. It is interesting that the men who manned the watch on the being the, up in the crow's nest, but up in the um, on the watch, they had asked for a pair of binoculars, but no one had got them got them a pair yet. But it was a dark night that we talked about, no moon, so I don't know what the, if they could have seen anything anyway with a pair of binoculars. But you know, the watch for us in our lives is important to us in guiding us and keeping us safe. Practicing strong scriptural brotherhood is a tremendous help in avoiding the snares of apostasy or we could say the dangers of shipwreck. We, we are called to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. Exhorting one another is like our watch. We watch for each other. We help each other. We warn 
When we see danger, they see danger, they warn us. And that is what God wants of us in, in, in spiritual brotherhood. That we are there for each other, bear you one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Being part of a larger body helps us. Interfellowship with other congregations is a help for us because they also are like watches looking ahead and can warn us of something that we maybe do not see or understand. So we get those messages from other ships. I said before that there were seven messages that came in from other ships in the vicinity of the Titanic that evening, that there was danger of that ice ahead, but the captain chose not to do anything about it. He never changed course. He never slowed down and kept going straight ahead. And so this morning, the question comes to us personally, what course are you on? What course am I on? Will I arrive safe in port if I'm on this course? Have you received, have I received any messages of warning of danger ahead? And what are we doing about those warnings? Stuffing them in our pocket? Think about that later. Be determined to set the record. Be the most famous sea captain on the most luxurious ship and the passive ship. Somehow we have this ego that we want to protect so we don't heed the warning. Or are you too busy with other things that seem to be so important as well, and thereby reject the warning. One of the sad parts of the story of the Titanic is Harold McBride, he was the wireless operator that night. He survived the, the sinking. A man that lived with a lot of regret. They had had trouble with one of their wireless radios. They had to change, I think, a transistor or something, which took a couple hours earlier in the day. And he was, they were quite behind, was sending messages from the passengers to shore, which was somewhat new to be able to do that wirelessly from the ship. And so he was pretty far behind that evening, Sending these, relaying these messages. In between, some of the warnings were coming in from the other ships. He passed them on up to the bridge, but kept working as hard as he could. The last warning that night came in just before 11 o'clock. He was tired, he was busy, determined to get caught up before he went to bed. Just before 11 o'clock, the ship, the Californian, who was in the vicinity, they actually could see the lights of the Titanic. They were within the visual range. Sent the last message to him. Said, we are surrounded by ice. We've shut down. We're waiting till morning light to sail and that you're headed into a field of ice. The wireless operator, Harold McBride, he radioed back and said, I'm busy. Please don't bother me. Please shut up. That was the last message they got. It was the last message of warning. In just over three hours, the giant ship slipped beneath the waves and sank forever. You think about that. Again, from a spiritual perspective, a people making spiritual shipwreck. The warnings were there. 
They knew. They were told. Multiple people knew. Are we ever too busy to take the warnings, accept the warnings from others? We're trying to help us stay out of shipwreck. Are we too stubborn to change course when we are told there's dangers ahead in our lives? There was really no reason for the Titanic to sink that night. Captain Smith could have done what all the other ships were doing and taking the precautions necessary. He could have waited till morning, shut down like the other ships in the area, be able to see clearly. But no, ego was more important. And ego became stubbornness. And stubbornness became a shipwreck. There is no reason for any of us today to make shipwreck of our faith. May God help us to heed the warnings. We have many warnings from the scriptures. We have warnings from the Holy Spirit. We have warnings from our brothers and sisters, people that care about us, from our families. May God help us that we can all arrive safe in port, that we will not make shipwreck of our faith. May God help us. Let's kneel to pray. Father, we thank you that you're a God of mercy, a God of love, that you do not want any of us to make shipwreck of our faith. We thank you for the Lord Jesus. We thank you for his grace and mercy. And Lord, we also thank you for the Holy Spirit that, that speaks to our hearts and helps us to understand the importance of a straight course according to your direction and your guidance in our lives. Father, we thank you for your forgiveness where we have strayed. And Father, we just pray that we might be honest with ourselves and our own hearts this morning before you, that if we are off course or we are set for danger, that we are not, not responding to the warnings around us. Oh, Father, we just pray you would help us. We might wake up to the realities where we are in our lives, may we each be faithful to you. We just pray your blessing upon us, each of us. May we be faithful. And Father, we look forward to that day when all the faithful who have sailed this life will arrive safe on the other shore and we can find peace and rest in your arms as we find safety and can rejoice in your guidance and your protection. And so, Father, we just pray for those this morning that realize that they are on a wrong course. Help them to be willing to make the changes. And, Father, in our lives, may we have course correction when needed and choose your way above all others. And deliver us, Father, from the evil of these days and help us to be faithful. We ask in the name of Christ. Amen.